What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott Benjamin. And I'm Ben Boland. Ben, today we got something really cool to talk about. And some people will be like, you guys say that every episode. Well, we usually we talk about cool stuff, but uh, today... This is something, I mean, this is something that I get kind of trapped into looking at photographs of and, and you know, when we were doing the research, and I couldn't stop. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just such there's beautiful imagery, and uh, just, to, just to think about these, these amazing machines, it really it, it boggles my mind how cool they are. Really. Mm-hmm. And even if you're someone who doesn't care for cars, just from a historical perspective, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I think so, yeah. This has got, there's a lot more... Levels to this type of vehicle. Um, I don't know if levels is maybe the right way to say this, but a lot more, uh, a lot more to this vehicle. Sure. Than uh, than meets the eye initially. Um, you'll find there are layers it, to this onion. Oh, that's right. And it's got layers, just like ogres. <laughs> yes, yes. Shrek fans out there. Shrek fans. Yes, yeah, So listen, I I think maybe we should tell everybody what we're talking about first. We're talking about um, the Bonneville Salt Flats and the, the mm-hmm. land speed competition that they do out there. Mm-hmm. But more specifically, we want to narrow this down to. A class of vehicles that they call Lakesters. Or belly tank race cars. Now, let's, uh, let's cast our minds back to the era of World War II. Now, we've got some interesting podcasts that have already touched on little pieces of this episode. For instance, we've talked a little bit about how, um, the auto industry and World War II were related, how, mm-hmm. how those, uh, those two events in time uh, coincided and, and the effects they had on one another. We've also talked about the salt flats in some other episodes, so we're not going to go too far into 
the uh, exact methodology used to measure land speed. Yeah, we we talked about the land speed records, and we talked about you know the the timing association that deals with them. The uh, can, uh, they, can you do a basic rundown? Yeah, well, it's the Southern California Timing Association, and uh, they organize the event. They maintain the salt out on the flats. They you know they make sure that the tracks are nice and smooth. They measure everything. They've they've got all the safety crews and everything, and the timing apparatus mm-hmm. is set up, and all the all the rules and regulations, including the tech inspections and you know just the dates of events and everything that surrounds um, a land speed record. Yeah. Okay, so that's the, that's the basics of what goes on out there, and, and I think everybody kind of understands that this is where you go to to achieve like an ultimate top end speed in your vehicle. Yes, absolutely. Now, another interesting thing here. So let's put the salt flats to one side here. Another interesting thing uh, comes in the form of World War II planes and a fellow that we'll call Bill Burke, mainly because mm-hmm. that's his name. Yeah. Well, that's a good reason to call him that. <laughs> you know, the funny the funny thing is, like, you know, inspiration can hit you anywhere, right? Yes. And uh, Bill Burke, he was uh, he was a guy in the nineteen, well, probably ni- early nineteen thirties, I'd yeah. say nineteen forties. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. out at the Salt Flats doing his thing in his hot rod, uh, you know, where they were already racing. Yeah, yeah he's got a thirty two Ford Roadster. Okay, so they're out there racing on the Salt Flats and doing their thing, and you know what? A, I guess you'd call it a more typical car of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know relatively not very streamlined. I think there were streamlined cars out there at the time, but nothing like what we're going to talk about. Because no. during the war, when the war hit, and you were talking like you know the early 1940s, uh, Bill was stationed in the uh, South Pacific. Yeah, he's in Guadalcanal. Okay, so he's stationed in the South Pacific, and he gets this uh, he gets this idea to kind of look around him. You know, he might have had some downtime, whatever. He saw the, uh, the P-38 um, um, airplanes, uh, the fighters, Mm-hmm. And decided, hey, you know what, that's a pretty aerodynamic-looking design there. And he kind of he envisioned mm-hmm. a race car. Yeah, he was looking at the, the here's the famous origin story. He's looking at the P-51 Mustang fighter. They have these belly fuel tanks. And he's seen these getting unloaded from uh, from a cargo, from a freighter. And they've got this teardrop design. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of thing that is going to be immediately apparent if you see a photo of it. You're probably going to get the bug after this podcast and start looking through yeah, photos. Yeah, you know what, Ben? I want to clarify something because yeah. I mentioned the P-38. You mentioned the P-51. Ah, yes. The thing is both of those planes are donor planes for the Beller Tank Lakesters. So, yes, so yes. The, the, I mean, the inspiration, I'm not sure if it came from a P-38 or if it came from a P-51. The story's kind of uh, kind of gray at that point. Right, um, yeah. But we're talking about the mid-1940s. And he sees the design of these uh, tanks, these fuel tanks, and he gets close enough to start measuring one. And you guys know how inspiration is. At first, it starts out like a little little extra wrinkle, a little spark. And then as you realize this might be something that could be your next crazy scheme, I don't know, Scott, this is how it happens to me. Yeah, sure. <laughs> then yeah, you I, get more I, excited. I think it's pretty common. I mean, he's, so he's measuring this thing, and people are probably wondering what the heck he's up to. You know, he's going to modify a plane is probably what they thought. Right. Um, so, you know, they're... He's kind of mulling this over in his head, like what he's going to do when he gets back home with one of these, how he's going to find yeah. one. And the thing is, you know, Ben, after the war, th- these P-38 tanks, they-, they become extremely cheap. I mean, you can buy Army surplus tanks at the time for mm-hmm. something like $5. Yeah. The- and that becomes the body of his uh, belly tank racer or streamliner is what he called it at the time. Mm-hmm. And then eventually later... Um, you know the uh, the Southern California timing. Uh, yeah, the Southern California Timing Association decided that they call it a special class called the Tankster. Or, I'm sorry, called the Lakester. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But you know, this inspiration that hit him, he he. It took him a while to get it together. It didn't take, you know, he, he maybe a year or so to, to kind of really flush this thing out and decide that, you know, what's mm-hmm. the best design, what's the best uh, donor vehicle, whether it was the P38 or the P51. What kind um, of engine can I put in it? Yeah, yeah. Why, uh, how do I actually make a workable vehicle out of this tank? And this is unusual at the time because when we're talking about this age of racing, the hot rodders at the time are not – millionaires you know they're not sponsored by various corporations or something they have they have limited resources so they spend a lot of time uh thinking about how they can use their powers of innovation to get around their uh limited budget so so as crazy as it may sound he he really was just having a really good idea, and it didn't seem as bizarre as it might sound today. Yeah, you know what, Ben? I, I want to come back to that in just a moment. Yeah. But something you just mentioned mm. the spo- about the sponsorship and you know the mm. multi-millionaires racing. Because I mean, let's get it straight here. You're not going to build a Formula One car in your garage and, and take it on the track and, and, and race it. You can do that or something similar to that at Bonneville, and you can do that today. That was mm-hmm. true then. It's true now. They uh, they made a point in one of these articles that I read that was from you know the Bonneville Salt Flats Association or something like that I forget who who exactly it was I'll I'll find my notes but um, they wanted to point out that you know you're not going to find condominiums and and skyboxes and grandstands and corporate sponsorship logos and you know you're just not going to find all that maybe on the vehicles themselves perhaps but you're not going to find all of that commercialism all around the track itself I mean you're going to find a food truck. And, you know, the Southern California Timing Association, they're going to have their people and their materials there. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. I mean, you're out in the middle of the salt flats in the middle of nowhere. It's not like the uh, the multimillionaire sport like, uh, you know, NASCAR has become and Formula One has sure. become and IndyCar. Um, it's, it's still very much so build it in your garage as long as you build it, you know, according to what they allow to race, you know, that it's safe to mm-hmm. race. And according to uh, the classifications you'll be able to race it. Now, you have to make it safe, and you have to make sure that, you know, um, that's the main goal is make sure that, you know, you're safe. They they don't yeah. want any accidents. It's um, purely about performance. Exactly, exactly. But, I mean, that's still – that that thought and that and that feeling mm-hmm. is still very much alive out on the salt flats. So, okay. So it takes him some time. He's yeah. working on this, and he's thinking um, – when when he's measuring these tanks, when he, when he first gets this idea, uh, there's a reason – to uh, for him to measure these. There's a method to his madness. This guy knows cars pretty well, man. Mm-hmm. He knows the dimensions of the Ford that he was racing. Mm-hmm. And he's got a rough idea of what, you know, how much space he'll need for an engine See, block. This is incredible to me. Yeah. Now, I, I thought, I'll, I'll let you in on something here. Let this, me is, this is kind of a, uh, an, a, I don't know, a mistake on my part, I guess. I was thinking that I had an original thought, which. <laughs> Doesn't happen too often, right? I was thinking when I looked at this to begin with, I, I looked at it and I thought when I saw one kind of opened up because the the belly tank is cut in half horizontally yes. and then opened up like a clamshell would be almost uh, completely removable. You bolt it down. When you look at one, you know everything that they pack inside there. I mean, there's like bomber controls, like because there's like a uh, you'll use like airplane seats, mm-hmm. you use airplane gauges, you use an airplane wheel, like you know the the uh, steering wheel, like with the, yeah. the flat bottom that they use. Um, and the engine that's in the back and everything that's crammed into this thing, my thought was, and I thought it was original, it's like building a ship in a bottle. Now, isn't that bad? That's not a bad way to look at it, right? That's a very good way to look at it. I mean, because you've got a very, very limited space. You can't exceed that. You can't. A lot mm-hmm. of it has to go inside this thing. How are you going to make everything fit? It's a, it's 
very complex to, to jam everything into this tiny little space. Um, so I thought, okay, this is like building a ship in a bottle. I'm going to say this during the podcast, and it's the first time anybody's ever uttered those words. We'll right? be amazed. So I'm going through the forums, of course, you know, looking at, uh, you know, people who are building these things and, you know, model makers who are building their own models, and mm-hmm. people are building full-size ones and metal shapers and everything. Yeah. And sure enough, someone there has said something that's like building a ship in a bottle. Well, don't beat yourself up, man. I, I found that this morning. As soon as I read it, I was kind of like my <laughs> shoulders went down. I kind of went, oh, man, I knew I should have known it. Oh, come on. Well, first off, it speaks volumes <laughs> to your character that you're not stealing somebody else's life. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But man, And secondly, it just shows that you had a good idea. Uh, so what we have here with Bill Burke as he's, as he's building this thing, uh, this first ever belly tank racer, uh, you made a great point. He puts the driver in front of the engine. So it's mm-hmm. a rear engine. Your yep. engine vehicle, and a lot of that is because of the shape of the vehicle. Again, the ship in a bottle mm-hmm. kind of aspect of building this. Um, he's he's able to get stuff to fit into the tank. I mean, not the wheels. This is an open wheel design too. Yeah, uh, which is which is going to be important later. Um, and even throws in a little windshield. Uh, how fast do you think someone could go in one of these? You know what? It's very aerodynamic, but. I would say that you'd have to put a small engine in it, right? I mean, because I mean that's what I originally <laughs> thought. You'd put a small engine in it, right? Later on, I learned that's not the truth. But um, at the time, I, I don't really know. I was I was guessing about a hundred miles an hour, you know, in the night. Because we're talking like yeah. 1946, I think was the yes, first time exactly. that he. Okay, so 1946 was the fir- the debut of this thing. A mm-hmm. hundred miles an hour. A uh, lo- little bit over that, uh, Mercury V8 engine, and uh, I know, right? Wow. Uh, Let's see. We've got the the number uh, one hundred and thirty one, just shy of one hundred and thirty two miles an hour. Whoa! Now, if you've uh, been with Scott and I during our earlier land speed record podcast for the modern age, uh, you know that that's not near as fast as current world record. But also consider that this is an open cockpit vehicle, right? Yeah. And, and um, it's literally a fuel tank. You know what, Ben? I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna uh, point something out here. That's yeah. uh, you, we're talking about. Land, you're talking about like a jet propelled vehicle that goes like 1,200 miles an hour. Right, right. Now, I mean, in this class, though, I mean, when you talk about like the the belly tank racers or the uh, the Lakesters, as they called them, uh-huh. um, I think the the uh, the Southern California Speeder or the Speed Shop. Yeah, rather, yeah. Um, I think they've still got the record. They, there was a record that it broke in. Uh, I want to say 1951. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to have to find my notes on that. I'm, I apologize. I, I'll get it. But no worries. Uh, we should talk about that. The, the Southern California Speed Shop or SoCal Speed Shop. Uh, while, we're, while you're looking through there, Scott. Uh, I've the, got it. You got it. Okay. <laughs> if you want me to, let me interrupt because, um, uh, you know, this is the record that was set by this type of vehicle. I mean, this is a uh, the fastest unblown flathead powered car in history in bon- at Bonneville. It was broken. The record's broken in 1951, and that record still stands today. Um, so we're talking about like you know, it's still right in the neighborhood of uh, the 139 or 140 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think the record is actually around 180. 180, huh? Yeah, 180, oh, oh, 190. Yeah. 181, <laughs> I believe. Uh, yeah, so SoCal Special, uh, the SoCal Speed Shop, excuse me, they start building uh, some of these tank racers, these fuel tank racers, um, and their Lakester is a little bit different because, uh, Scott, earlier you mentioned it's got the flathead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is... Uh, one of the first has a 156 cubic inch flathead V8, um, and it's also got a little bubble canopy. That's it. Now, for a V8, that's relatively small. That is relatively small. Again, constraints of the form. It, exactly, yeah. And it's impressive that they crammed a V8 into it, though. It's impressive they got the speed with that, exactly. that vehicle, too. Hey, you know what? Yeah. One, one thing that we should mention here, I think. What's that? Um, when, let's talk about building building one of these things. Because oh, yeah. Because when you're, when you're actually putting one together, I mean, it's not just like you're sitting in an empty tube you know, with with an engine behind you, there's got to be a frame involved in this thing. There's got to be something that's, mm-hmm. but it's all internal. So you're not going to see it from the outside. You'd have to open this thing up in order to see what's going on. And one of the things that, that stood out to both you and I was the donor car that they use for a lot of these belly tank racers. Yes. It's, oh, okay. Uh, we were talking about this earlier. Uh, Model T. Yeah. Believe it or not, most of these belly tank racers use a Model T frame that's, you know, been modified. It's been cut, you know, pinched mm-hmm. and shortened, and um, sometimes they reverse them uh, so that you're, you know, I don't know exactly if it's flipped over or if it's backwards or what, right. but, but you'll notice that there's a lot of modification because of the size constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it's the exact right size, and it was plentiful at the time, because we're talking like mid-1940s, and it was very popular in the 1950s to race a yep. Lakester. Um, 
and I would imagine that, you know, believe it or not, at the junkyards, there were probably just a ton of Model Ts available, or at least parts of Model Ts available. So, um, you know, yeah. being that we're not that far away from, you know, when they're actually being produced. Yeah, and that's that's so crazy, too, to look back in this day and age and consider that whereas a functioning Model T nowadays is a rarity sure. worthy of, you know... Museum piece. A museum piece, yeah. yeah. and you know what? There, there were, what, 15 million of them produced or something like that? So how <laughs> many of those do you think ended up in junkyards or were just laying out in a field somewhere? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people scavenged them, combined them with their $5 P51 tank, and, uh, <laughs> and built a race car. Yes, and uh, that's why sometimes you'll hear people say that these are sort of the perfect... Uh, hybrid of ingenuity and performance now i i don't know maybe that's an exaggeration what is perfect but they are very impressive uh some some more speeds can we talk about speeds that the socal folks did oh yeah yeah you know because i i think we kind of got a little mixed up on what their what their speeds were for the uh the lakester oh yeah sorry um that that would be that might be my bad here uh so after these Lakesters become a common thing. Bill Burke starts a racing revolution, and that's not hyperbole. Mm-hmm. He starts a racing revolution. So we've got SoCal Speed Shop coming in, and then we've got um, the Mal Hoopster Lakester coming in. <laughs> okay. And we've got this brand new realm of competition. And uh, let's see, the SoCal Speed Shop, for instance, uh, they get a, they make a uh, slightly larger change to their engine. They get a 296 cubic inch mercury. Oh boy! So that's when they reach 198 miles per hour. Wow. Okay. So they really opted it at that point. Yeah. But, but they're way increasing the uh, the torque and horsepower. And mm-hmm. so I wonder if that's a slightly bigger tank too. They might not have. Uh, you know, can use the uh, the smaller. I don't know if the P thirty eight tank is smaller or if the P fifty one tank is smaller. I'm just not sure. Uh, uh, I believe that the P fifty one is a little bit is smaller. I think the P fifty one is one hundred and sixty five gallons, and the P thirty eight is three hundred plus. Impressive, Ben. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there like that. I was oh, just, no, that's uh, right. Yeah, no problem. Good. We walked away winners <laughs> from that one. <laughs> so, anyways, this this became extremely popular in the 1950s, like you said. And you know that from the uh, the car culture. I mean, we, we've talked mm-hmm. about hot rods in the past, and um, that really is when people started, you know, taking mom and dad's car and, you know, taking the fenders off the old Model A that you have and yeah, you know, that type yeah. of thing, jacking up the back end, taking springs out so the front end will lift up and, you know, just the the, uh, the kind of crazy car culture type stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I can I can see where this would be very appealing. I know that in, uh, you know, the, the SoCal uh, Lakester appeared on um, – it appeared on the magazine cover of Hot Rod Magazine in, yes. uh, what was it, like 1949 or something like that. 1949, the cover, that was probably a huge deal because, I mean, without the Internet, without, you know, a way to quickly spread around images like we do now, um, the cover of Hot Rod Magazine was a big deal at the time. Yeah, that's the that's the flagship. Exactly. And for a lot of people, I would imagine that this is the first time they ever saw a, a Lakester mm-hmm. or a Streamliner like this. So um, I... I can you imagine what that would have been like to see something like this for the first time, and just you know, just say like, well, that's actually achievable. I could I could build that here in uh, uh, wherever you are in here in Georgia. Yeah, it's science fiction. Exactly. Put it on a trailer and take it out to the salt mm-hmm. flats and run it because because I could do that in my garage. And other articles start 
appearing in different magazines. Uh, in 1952, there uh, is a great article about building your own belly tank racer that comes out. Oh, I, I should have brought a copy of oh, it. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, and it has it has a an instruction set with photographs. You know, I've got a uh, a printout here that has right. um, some some general instructions about building. I mean, just kind of basics of what you'll need. And one of the things that they mention here is, uh, you know, you, of course you need the uh, the P51 belly tank to begin with. Yep. Good luck finding that now, however. Um, <laughs> a Ford flathead V8 with uh, with aluminum heads and intake, et cetera, et cetera. Three-speed top loader. Um, oh, the, the Model T frame and rails and rear spring. Now, that's another difficult item to find. So there's a, there's a lot of, um, mm-hmm. and even some Model A parts are listed in here. Uh, Model T handbrakes. Um, just quite a few different things. Bicycle seat, you know, that's what you sit on is a bicycle seat in this one. Now, the yeah. one that, uh, the, the ones that I've seen have actually used, uh, airplane seats or bomber seats, um, because they mm. just happen to fit. And, um, uh, check out this shot we got here, uh, oh, that, very cool. that I found. Uh, the, the list we just read, the component list that we pointed out may sound a bit intimidating to some people who aren't, uh, High-scale private collectors, where am I going to get a Model A? Mm -hmm. Uh, Where am I going to get a Model A uh, component? Where am I going to get a Model T frame? Uh, But never fear, you guys, because we do have uh, some good news. You don't have to find a Model T to build a belly tank racer. Yeah, well, you you could build your own Mm -hmm. if you wanted to. I mean, you could create your own if you're a metal fabricator. You could have somebody do that. Mm -hmm. Or you could go to, like, a swap meet. That's another one, right? Yes. You can find swap meat parts. Um, as a matter of fact, I've got uh, I've got some images here of uh, well, the good guys swap meat in Indianapolis, and there's a photo that's a really cool uh, belly tank body that's painted and ready oh, that to go. Looks great. It doesn't have a frame, I don't believe, or anything. And there's nothing really attached to it. They've got it kind of loosely together here, <laughs> okay, just laid on itself, and uh, yeah. and that's about like 1500 bucks. If you want to step that up a bit and you want to get a Lakester that actually has some uh, some race history that's been at the you know at the Salt Flats since oh, the 1940s, nice. you're talking about like maybe 75 grand, something like that. They start, Take me back to the swap meet. <laughs> I mean, they start bidding at, you know, like 50000 35000 40000 um, the bidding quickly goes up if you have something that's authentic and original and, you know, that that really is truly a, a Lakester that was run in the 1940s. Yeah, and you have the story behind it um, and the, the records. Do you ever it. go to a site called Bring a Trailer? I have seen Bring it, a Trailer. That's where this is. this comes from. Is that and where you found it? What's great is that, that it calls from everywhere. It, bring, it brings in um, – because everybody just kind of reports what they find in their local area. So mm-hmm. you can uh, – it's like – it's almost like you can go there and they comb everywhere else in the United States or in the world, really. Yeah. Uh, because they use sources like eBay and Craigslist and, you know, other auction sites. It's a car find aggregator, you guys, it, and, it's, and it's free. And it's great because every day they've got updates and you can, you can go and watch, you know, links to watch the auctions or you can just go and, you know, do the buy it now or whatever. Or you can just find out, uh, you know, if one of the people from that forum purchased the vehicle and what they've done with it since. And it's just, it's a really neat site, but, um, I'm, I'm looking at this one, and this 1940s era belly tank mm-hmm. uh, racer quickly went up to about seventy-five thousand bucks. 
and uh, then it was removed from listing. So you know the the sale went through apparently somewhere. Uh, I don't know exactly how much it was sold for, but um, I mean it, it shows a lot of the detail inside, and that's what's really cool. You know, it, it has like even the goggles and the uh, the leather hat that the the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the driver wears. Right. But you know, it shows a lot of the framework. So you can see the Model T um, the Model T framework inside, and the gauges. You know, that come from uh, I think it's Stuart Warner uh, gauges and. Um, Let's see what else they got here. Um, well, anyways, the engine. I mean, you can really see how they they had to modify the engine and the linkages and mm-hmm. you know, just just how do they make everything work? All the all the uh, fuel lines and all the air lines are are uh, copper pipes that have been sweated in place, so they're they're hard lines. Um, that's probably for safe tech safety inspections. Yeah. Um, and just driver safety because you don't want anything rattling loose at about 200 miles an hour. I've got that's I've bad, got that's one, bad news. One thing about this that. Uh, my, that I wonder if we're on the same page about. So as we're looking through these uh, vehicles, and some of the coolest shots you're going to see of these racers, these Lakesters, are going to be the shots where you can see into the interior. And yeah. you can see all the stuff that, as you said, they had to modify and move around just to fit in here. This made me think about whether there are any other vehicles that have had this sort of ingenuity applied like has somebody found you know for instance the back half of a plane and thought hey i'm going to make that a car (laughs) and um you know it's happened you know it's happened you know it's happened and i'd love to see it more specifically i'd love to see some interior shots of how the engine and the other components are combined you know there's some other good news for people who are kind of interested in doing this themselves if they they want to uh there's a company and I, I found this just today. I was looking around, so um, I'm, I'm assuming that they're still in business, but it's called SenPen Speed Shop. It's C-E-N-P-E-N Speed Shop. And uh, since about 1999, they've been building these replica, uh, replica fiberglass mm-hmm. Lakester bodies. And you buy the body, just just the body itself. It, re- it comes with the, uh, the top and bottom halves, uh, the hood fairing, and exhaust pods, and that's it. Nothing else. You got to come pick it up, or they can ship it to you. I'm sure. Uh, the price is about nineteen ninety five. That's one thousand nine hundred ninety five bucks. Oh, um, it was on sale for five hundred dollars off. So you can you can go in for fourteen ninety five right now. Oh wow. Um, I'm not trying to sell them or anything like that. I don't get any kind of kickback or anything. I wish I did because this is because awesome... you'd be driving it to work. I would be dri- that'd be my daily driver, <laughs> or I'd have it parked next to my desk. Because <laughs> um, they're they're not very big, they're pretty small, really. They're not the biggest. They yeah. are very small. But uh, you know, I thought this is kind of a cool thing because you know, there's you still get the look. Mm-hmm. You get the uh, you get you know someone that can actually make this body for you instead of trying to find, go out and find an old P thirty eight tank. That uh, you know, good luck doing that. And how much is it going to cost you? Maybe a, a grand. Um, so here's something that you know is is already cut in half. It's already you know, kind of, they've got some of the the body work done for you, the fairings and you know the openings for you. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be a, I mean, a, a good purchase for someone if they want to want to start here. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to start working on your own racing career with this category, <laughs> uh, and you think that seventy five grand might be a little too much capital, yeah. too much overhead. I think so. Uh, then you can go ahead and and start. At this at this point, well, I guess what we're saying here is that not only is this uh, a historical kind of racing, this is a an extant kind of racing. You can still get involved today, mm-hmm. and uh, if you want to learn more about this stuff, you can check out. Uh, oh my gosh, there's so many things online about this. That's yeah, the crazy really thing. Are. 
you got you're going to lose hours as soon as well, you check for photos. Can I tell you, Ben? I've yeah. I've kind of been. We searched about Bonneville. We searched about you know mm-hmm. the town around it. You know, it's uh, Wendover. I think is the name of the town that's right mm-hmm. near it in Utah. Um, there's just so much information, so many photographs, so much history. There's just so much about this the, this region and the type of racing that they do there and you know that how the races are, are run and you know the the, uh, the safety involved and what it's like at a day at the event and some of that stuff is really cool too like they tell you what to bring and they tell you interesting stuff about the salt flats like it's shrinking yes um, it's it's like a third of the size that it was at one time because some uh, companies making fertilizer out of the salt that you know they, they're they're actually uh, they're harvesting the salt mm-hmm. so it's getting much smaller I didn't know that the salt in some areas is getting very thin. In some places, it's only like a half inch thin. Yeah, I've heard that as and, well. And uh, so, you know, there's danger of breaking through, and there's a lot of like this clay down below, and it's really kind of uh, a gross mess. You know, if you park in the wrong place. Um, but you know, it's there's there's so much involved in this, and so much mm-hmm. around it, and the photographs. Oh my god, the photographs! <laughs> I, I really do. I could lose hours and hours. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what I'll do. Uh, we'll go on Facebook a little later after this, and just find a. I'll, I'll find a link to a good repository of uh, these lakesters. Yeah, historic and modern day. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian, someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet, and also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without painful finger sticks. So you can always know which way your glucose is headed. An arrow shows you where you're heading, up, down, or steady. It can also alert you before you go too low or when you're going too high. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM available, you can make better diabetes decisions about food, medication, and activity in the moment. And all those little decisions can lead to big results. Results you can see like more time and range in lower A1C. With Dexcom G7, you can manage your diabetes with confidence. Get started with the number one recommended CGM brand by doctors and patients at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. 
And in the meantime, do you want to hear some listener mail? Do I ever. Oh, good. It would be awkward if you didn't. <laughs> okay, so uh, Scott, 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 Scott. James writes to us from North Dakota, and he is in the Air Force. And he says, Hi, guys. I'm in the Air Force, stationed in, uh, I'm going to mispronounce this, Minot. Okay. Minot. M-I-N-O-T, North Dakota. After long winters, we can get some pretty bad cabin fever, so we drive around to see what we can see. On one of our sojourns, we found this turtle called the Wa'il turtle, uh, W apostrophe E-E-L. He's made entirely out of steel wheels painted green. I thought of it after your Hubcap Art podcast, and he says he loves the show, and he asked if he could get a shout-out for the Hardys. Well, guess what, James? Shout out to the Hardys. Yeah, James, thanks for your service, first of all. Yes. And uh, thanks to the Hardys. <laughs> and uh, also, you know what? I, I was thinking about this earlier. You said, I, did, I didn't get a copy of this particular email, hmm. um, but you said that they found a turtle and it reminded you of Hubcap Bird. Yeah. It's and I was a, thinking, it's, so it's a, it's a model. It's not a real turtle. No, it's steel wheels okay. painted green. This makes I, much more sense now. Yeah, I, I neglected to mention that off air because I saw your face when I was saying that. And you were going, so they found a turtle that reminded them of, uh, yeah I'm sorry man that was no that problem. was my error that was uh, so hubcat it looked like hubcat art huh yeah James we didn't get a picture of this with the first email that might be our fault but uh, we'd love it if you could resend it so we could post it online yeah that'd be cool and in the meantime I guess we're gonna go ahead and head out of here I think that's right okay so uh, find us on Facebook we'll post a link to some really cool pictures of belly tank racers uh, give us a holler on Twitter and if you want to send us an email directly like James did you can write to us at carstuff at discovery.com for more on this and thousands of other topics visit howstuffworks.com let us know what you think Send an email to podcast at howstuffworks.com. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. (laughs) You can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.